in all different languages and cultures, as they sing that song, It is well with my soul, would you receive that praise? Would you encourage your body to endure, to be steadfast in the midst of trial and persecution? Lord, we thank You that it's well with our soul because our sin, not in part, but the whole, has been nailed to the cross and we bear it no more. We thank You. We praise You. We praise You from the depth of our soul that You have, that you have paid the price that we could not have paid. You, Father, have given Your Son to bear Your wrath in our place so that we might know You forever. Thank You for these great truths and I pray that they would fuel us, propel us, enable us to be all that You have created and redeemed us to be. We pray now that You would open Your Word to us, that we would see wonderful things in Your Word, that You would indeed sanctify us by the truth. Your Word is truth. So teach us today. We are listening for Your voice. We are bending our ear to Your Word. There is no one we'd rather hear from than You. And so Lord, speak to us. Speak to us for the glory of Your name, for the building of Your church, that every one of us might be mature in Christ no longer tossed to and fro by the waves, but steady and sure. Lord, do that work in us, we pray. In Jesus' great name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and turn with me in your copy of Scripture to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And as you're finding your place there, let me begin with a parable written by author Mark Dever. See if you've ever had a conversation like this after church. Nose and hand were sitting in the church pew talking. The morning service led by ear and mouth had just ended and hand was telling nose that he and his family had decided to look for a different church. Really? Nose replied to hand's news. Why? I don't know, Han said, looking down. He was usually slower to speak than the other members of the church body. I guess because the church doesn't have what Miss Han and I are looking for. What are you looking for in a church? Nose asked. The tone in which he spoke these words was sympathetic. But even as he was speaking them, he knew he would dismiss Han's answer. If the hands couldn't see that nose and the rest of the leadership were pointing the church body in the right direction, then the body could do without them. Hand had to think before answering. He and Miss Hand, like Pastor Mouth and his family, Minister of Music Ear, meant well. Well, I guess we're looking for a place with people more like us, Hand finally stammered. We tried spending time with the legs, but we didn't connect to them. Next, we joined the small group for all the toes. But they kept talking about socks and shoes and odors, and that didn't interest us. Nose looked this time with genuine dismay. Aren't you glad they're concerned with odors? Sure, sure. But it's just not for us, Han replied. We also attended the Sunday school for all you facial features. But everyone just wanted to talk and listen and smell and taste. It felt like, well, it felt like you never wanted to get to work and get your hands dirty. Anyway, Miss Han and I were thinking about checking out that new church over on the east side. We hear they do a lot of clapping and hand raising, which is closer to what we need right now. Hmm, Nose replied. I see what you mean. 
We hate to see you go, but I guess you have to do what's good for you. Miss Han nodded in agreement. She wanted to be polite, but truth be told, she wasn't sad to be leaving. Her husband had made just enough critical remarks about the church over the years that her heart had begun to reflect his. No, he never burst into an open tirade against the body. In fact, he usually apologized for being so negative, as he put it. But the little complaints that he let slip out here and there had had their effect. The small groups were a little cliquish. The music was a little out of date. The programs did seem a little silly. The teaching wasn't entirely to their liking. In the end, it was hard for the two of them to put their fingers on it, but they finally decided that the church wasn't for them. In addition to all of that, Miss Han knew that their daughter, Pinky, was not comfortable with the youth group. Everyone was so different from her. She felt out of joint. Miss Han then said something about how much she appreciated Nose and the leadership, but the, congregation, but, but the conversation had already run on too long for Nose. Besides, her perfume made him want to sneeze. He thanked Miss Han for her encouragement, repeated that he was sorry to hear of their departure, and then turned and walked away. Who needed the hands anyway? Who needed the hands anyway? With that question in your mind, let's read our passage for this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. So the Apostle Paul has begun a discussion about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He's told them that each and every one of them is gifted by God to serve the body, to build up the body. And then he says this, verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the, body, if the whole body were an eye, where would, the sense, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the Word of God. May God write its truth 
on our hearts. So you can see really easily what the main point of this passage is. The main point of this passage is that being a member of the body of Christ means that we are all necessary parts of the whole. If you're a member of the body of Christ, you are a necessary part of the whole body. In His wisdom, God has designed the church, the body of Jesus, to function properly when all the parts are working in harmony. A healthy church is one where each individual member is contributing and serving and functioning properly so that the whole body is together is one. Now, it's sad that many people view membership in a church in the same way sort of they view membership at a country club. They want to be served rather than serve. They want the privileges of membership without the sacrifice. But being a member of a local church is much different than membership in any other organization. The church is the body of Jesus. The bride of Jesus. Jesus laid down His life, gave up His own self for His bride, for His church. And thus, it is a dishonor to our Savior to treat His body, His bride, with a self-centered, casual attitude. For the glory of our Savior, because He is worthy of our praise, we must devote ourselves to the good of His body as a whole by fulfilling the role and function and part that He has designed that we play. If we want to be a God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, world-impacting church, then each one of us must fulfill the role we have been given by God in the body of Christ. Because here's one of the main reasons we gather Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. We gather because we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We are part of something more significant than we could be by ourselves anytime. We gather even though it's inconvenient. Like even though we could be doing a thousand other things right now. We gather because we need each other. Because we need the connection in the body of Christ that God has designed. God in His infinite wisdom has designed the church to be healthy when we are connected to each other and when we fulfill the function that He has designed that we fill. So let's take some time this morning to consider what this passage says about the kind of church members we should be. About the kind of member of the body of Christ that God has designed us to be. I want to draw your attention to two truths that Paul highlights for us in this awesome passage. Here's the first truth I want you to see. As members of the body of Christ, we all have a part to play. As members of the body of Christ, we all have a part to play. So as members of the body of Christ, that is, if you are in Christ, if you are connected to Jesus by faith alone, you are part of the body of Christ. And if you are a member of the body of Christ, you have a part to play. This is the main point of verses 14 through 20. You see what Paul does? He compares the members of the church to the parts of our physical bodies. Notice in verse 15, Paul imagines a foot feeling inferior to a hand. He says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. You see the point? The point is that the foot is a necessary part of the body. The foot may not be able to do all the things that a hand can do, 
But that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. Notice verse 16, Paul imagines an ear feeling inferior to an eye. He says, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. The, the ear doesn't think that it has a prominent enough position as the eye does. But that doesn't mean the ear is unnecessary. And notice Paul drives this point home with this ludicrous illustration in verse 17. Imagine this. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Right? A body would cease to be a body if it were just one part. You wouldn't be able to hear if all you had was an eye. And you wouldn't be able to smell if all you had was an ear. In other words, we need all the various parts of the body to function properly. In His infinite wisdom, our God has arranged the parts of our physical body just as He decided. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. But also in His infinite wisdom, our God has arranged the parts of the body of Christ just as He has chosen just as He has decided. Notice verse 18. God is sovereign over the placement of the parts in the body of Christ. And therefore, we all have a part to play in His grand design for the church. And so what Paul does in verses 14-20 is he addresses this lie. This lie that we are guilty of believing that we are not needed in the church. Paul is addressing those who would say, I'm not needed. I'm not like those people who are really prominent. I'm just, a, I'm just an ear. I'm just a, a foot. It's tempting to look around at others who are gifted differently than we are and think that somehow we don't have anything to offer in the body of Christ. Isn't that the lie we believe when we don't regularly gather with the body? Like, isn't this what we're believing? I mean, we would never say this. If you talk to people who aren't coming regularly, they would never say that this is the lie they're believing, but this is, in fact, what they are saying. When we don't regularly attend corporate worship, we're saying we aren't needed in the body. Neglecting the gathering is like saying to God, you don't have a role for me to fulfill. I'm only an ear. What good can I do, God? Also, isn't that what we're saying when we don't use our gifts? and our resources to serve in the church? like We're saying, my gifts, my giving, my time, my service is not needed in this church. They can get along fine without me. I'm only a foot. I'm not that important. This attitude is completely wrong. If we are part of the body, we have a role to fulfill in the proper working of the church. In fact, Paul's argument is that a failure to play our part in the body is to undermine God's good design for His body, for how His body is to function. Verse 18 again emphasizes that God is in control of the arrangement of the parts. God is the one who makes us eyes and ears and hands and feet. The gifts we have are not given to us haphazardly or accidentally. God has arranged the parts just as He desires for the good of the church as a whole. And so to abandon the gathering or to not use our gifts or resources in the church is to rebel against God's wisdom. 
For the ear to be envious of the eye's prominent position is to question God's good design for His body. When we fail to serve the church, God's good design is dishonored. We all have a part to play in the church because that's the way our God has designed it. We all have a part to play because this is what God has ordained. God didn't design the church to only need a few really gifted people and the rest of us can just sort of take it easy. Which I want you to hear as a shot to those who say, well, I can just watch the live stream on Sunday. Because you know what that's saying? That's saying God has gifted those few people. We can just put them on a camera and all of us can just enjoy their gifts from afar. That's saying the body doesn't need me. I don't have a part to play. In His wisdom, God has given us all parts to play in His body. And when we fail to fulfill that role, we are like the foot who says, since He's not a hand, He's not needed. Consider how you feel physically when one part of your physical body is not functioning properly. How do you feel when one part of the body isn't functioning properly, right? The entire body is affected, right? Like, have you ever had one of those really deep earaches? Like, it's just the ear, it's just the ear that hurts, but it affects everything, doesn't it? Your entire body shuts down. There's nothing you can do. You might think your role in the church is unimpressive, but Almighty God knows what He is doing. And He has given you a vital role to play in the health and the, body, the health of His body, the body of Jesus. Here's the point. There are no unimportant, there are no unnecessary members of the body of Christ. There are none. The body needs all of its parts to function properly, to be healthy. And so if you're in Jesus, if you're connected to Jesus by faith in Him, God has designed for you to play a role to fill a void, to accomplish a task in the church. You might not always know what that task is, but you can be sure there is a task God has made you to fulfill. And if we don't gather with the body, we will not fulfill our role. We will not accomplish our purpose. We will be like the hand that's cut off from the body. We will be dead and we will be useless. So listen, friends. Please hear this. You are needed. You are needed in this church. If this is, if this is your home church, if this is where you live, you are needed in this church. God didn't skip over you when He was passing out spiritual gifts and talents and resources. He has gifted you. He has blessed you so that you are needed. So don't sit on the bench assuming there's no position for you to play on the team. God has a role for you to fulfill in His body. You have an important part to play. But here's the second truth. As members of the body of Christ, we need each other. Not only do we all have a part to play, not only do we have a role to fulfill, but here's the truth coming from this text. As members of the body of Christ, we need each other. This is the point of verses 21 through 27. We cannot be who God has made us to be by ourselves. God has designed us to need one another. And so the first lie that Paul addressed, notice, how, notice that Paul is addressing these individual lies. The first lie in verses 14 through 20 is the lie that says, I'm not needed. I don't have anything to offer. But Paul addresses this second lie in verse 21. The second lie is the flip side of the first one. It's the lie 
that I don't need the others in the church. The first lie is that, is that the body doesn't need me, and the second lie is I don't need the body. You see, the first lie comes from people who feel insignificant, who feel useless. The second lie comes from people who feel superior and self-sufficient. Oh, it's easy, right, in our individualistic culture, in a culture like ours, to begin to think that I can do everything on my own, that I don't need the help of others. You see, this second lie would apply both to those who try to do everything in the church and won't allow others to use their gifts, like, don't be that person. Don't be like the you know, teacher's pet in second grade that anytime the teacher asks for help, oh, he's right there. I'll do it. I'll do it. Like, don't be like that because you haven't been gifted in every possible way. You need others. But also, and I think more prominent in our thinking, this second lie applies to the person who says, I can read my Bible and pray at home. I can worship God any way I want, by myself, why do I need the church? I can be a good Christian on my own, right? You ever heard anyone say that? Have you ever thought that yourself? How does Paul address that lie? How does Paul confront that lie, in fact? Notice he points out in this passage that none of us are the body of Christ by ourselves. We are all only a part of the body. And so here's how we answer the common objection to attending church that says, I don't need to go to church to be a good Christian. How do we answer that? How does Paul answer that? Oh, really? You're, you're the whole body of Jesus by yourself? Like, God hasn't designed you to be connected to the rest of the body? Notice the illustration in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. In other words, no part of the body can say they don't need another part. According to Paul, it's impossible for one member to say to another member, I have grown to the point where I no longer need what you have to offer. I have so surpassed you in growth and maturity that I no longer need you. God has made us to need one another in order to function properly. And so Paul says in verses 22 through 25, the parts of the body that seem weaker, the parts of the body that seem insignificant, are actually indispensable. Notice, that's Paul's word. That's not my word. That's Paul's word. They're indispensable. God has so composed the body that even the most insignificant part of the body is valuable and honored. Verse 25 says that God has designed the body this way so that there would be no division between necessary parts and unnecessary parts. We all need each other. No one can be the whole body by themselves. This is a powerful argument for the importance of membership in a local church. Because one of the ways that we acknowledge this, one of the ways that we say out loud that we believe we need each other is to commit ourselves to each other through church membership. Every Christian needs to be a functioning and active member of a local church because every Christian needs the help and gift of other, the help and gifts of others. Right? Church family, we need each other. You're needed in this body, and we need each other. All of us are gifted by God to serve the body, but none of us can do it by ourselves. We cannot accomplish God's purposes alone. We were made for community. 
And so don't look, on down, don't look down on those who are gifted differently than you are. Don't assume those who have less prominent of a role are unnecessary. It, we, if so, we dishonor the Lord whose body it is. We dishonor Christ Himself when we have that attitude and when we believe that lie. We need each other. This is one of the reasons we gather Sunday after Sunday because we are part of the body of Jesus. Because we are designed to be in community. We are designed to need each other as the body of Christ. And so based on the the truth of this illustration, this, this passage, that we are the body of Christ and individually members of it, let me close by giving a few thoughts of application on how we might respond to God's truth. Whenever God speaks to us, we must respond. How should we respond to these truths that we see in 1 Corinthians 12? Let me give you five, or I think four, um, application points. Number one, don't isolate yourself from Jesus' body. Don't isolate yourself from Jesus' body. Like, if an arm tries to grow disconnected from the body, what will happen to it? It will be deformed, right? And misshapen and lose its purpose. In fact, it will shrivel up and die. The same is true for us as members of the body of Christ. If we try to grow apart from a vital connection to Jesus' body, we will not be able to fulfill our purpose. Let me give you a a proverb here. Proverbs 18.1. Here's the wisdom of God. Let's put it on the screen. Proverbs 18.1. Listen to this. Whoever isolates himself, seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. In other words, let me put this in modern language, it's stupid to isolate yourself from those you need. That's what, that's what the proverb is saying. It's, you break out against all sound judgment. You, you stiff-arm sound judgment if you isolate yourself. That's the height of stupidity. Isolating yourself from the body deteriorates the health of the body as a whole, but it also deteriorates your own spiritual health. Don't isolate yourself from Jesus' body. Secondly, you must serve Jesus' body. You must serve the body of Christ. To fulfill your role in the body, you must serve and give Yes, we are served by Jesus' body, but we cannot just be served. Each part of the body exists to serve the whole body. And so, my encouragement to you as you you hear this exhortation, serve the body, my encouragement to you is just start serving. Like I think the temptation when we hear about serving in the church is to wait for that perfect opportunity. You know, just this golden opportunity to just float down from the sky. Oh, that fits my gifts. That fits my schedule. That fits my desires. Oh, I'm waiting for that exact perfect thing. Friends, that's not going to come. It's not going to come floating out of the sky. Just start serving. Don't wait for that perfect opportunity. Hey, if you're not sure where you can best plug in, let me encourage you just to start somewhere. Listen to where the needs are. Listen to where you can step in. Don't be paralyzed trying to figure out what that perfect role might be. Just get busy doing something. In fact, I think the best way to discover your spiritual gifts 
is not to fill out some survey, but friends, just start serving and see how God uses you and blesses. Like, trying and failing is part of learning how God has, has gifted you. And so just do some things that are needed and evaluate later. And that might mean, serving the body of Christ might mean that you have to do some things that you're not particularly excited about, that don't particularly fit your schedule. But serving with a happy heart, if you do so, you will honor the Lord whose body it is, and you will build up and you will care for the body. And so just start asking around. Start asking what you could do to help. Ask Gina where you can help in the children's department. Ask Brittany how you can serve in the nursery with our youngest ones. Ask Landon if there are youth or college students who need help, who need someone to come alongside them and disciple them. See if there are any senior adults who need someone to just to sit with them or to give them a ride to the doctor or a ride to church. Just start serving. Just look for needs and jump in and fill them. Studies show that in the average church, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. The same is true of giving. 20% of the people give 80% of the budget. It's called the 80-20 rule. In other words, there are a lot of people who are not fulfilling their role in the body of Christ, and that means the 20% have to pick up their slack. I hope one of the applications of this passage in your heart this morning is for you to say, Lord, I am sorry for not fulfilling my role in your body. I'm going to be part of that 20% that is serving and giving so that eventually that 20% will become 80%. And we grow more and more healthy as a church family. Start serving. You must. You have a gifting. You have a role to fulfill in the body of Christ. Third, think primarily in terms of caring for people in the body. There's a third application. Think primarily you think about serving, think primarily in terms of caring for people in the body. So when we talk about serving the church, I think what we usually do is we start thinking about, oh, what position can I fulfill? Like, what, what ministry can I lead? What, what role can I step into? But the reality is, the church is the people. The church is not the building or the programs or the ministries. The church is the people. In fact, look at what Paul says in verses 25 and 26. I love this. He says, "...that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another." Verse 26, "...if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together." As part of the body of Christ, we are connected to one another. If one member suffers, we should all feel it. If one member rejoices, we should all rejoice together. And so friends, a properly functioning church means that each of us grow in our love and care for each other. Which means there are literally countless ways for us to serve in the church. Right? The list of official ministry positions is limited. Like, there's only a certain number of people who can fulfill these roles, but we can all care for each other. We can all serve in this way. And so, get to know others in the church. Figure out how you can encourage 
and help the other members of the church? How can you help them understand the Bible better? Who can you meet with, say, weekly and read a chapter of Scripture and pray together? How can you be hospitable to other members that you don't know that well? Is there a family that you can invite over to your house for dinner or for coffee? In what ways can you step out of your comfort zone and care for someone else who has needs? We all have needs. We all have needs. You don't have to look at someone and wonder, I, I, don't, I don't think he really needs me. I don't think she really needs... No, we all have needs. The best role you can fulfill in this church, the best role you can fill, the role you can fill that will most honor the Lord Jesus is the role of caring for others. This is the body of Christ and we are members of it. Love one another well. Fourth and finally... Do everything in the church for Jesus, not to serve your own personal preferences. Do everything in the church for Jesus, not to serve your own personal preferences. Well, Jesus is the head of the church. He's the Lord of the church. It is His bride for which He laid down His life. And therefore, everything we do exists to glorify Him. This is how we started this series on why we gather. We gather to glorify Him. We gather because when we're in harmony together, it exalts Him. So friends, we don't gather. We don't serve in the church. We don't function in the church so that we can get our preferences met. So that we can, we can figure out how to build our kingdom and make a little place that we can be comfortable in. Now friends, if we all tried to serve in that way, if we all tried to get our own agendas met and promoted... There would be disunity and there would be chaos everywhere. But friends, if all of us have the glory of Jesus as our main goal and focus, we can accomplish the purpose for which we exist. Jesus is our focus. Jesus is our center. Jesus is our treasure. When we serve others and allow others to serve us in the body, we exalt Jesus. We praise Him. We make Jesus look really great to the unbelieving world. So friends, if you're not trusting in Jesus as your supreme treasure, all of this properly functioning in the body means absolutely nothing for you. If Jesus isn't your treasure, if you're not trusting Him alone, then you can't fulfill your role. And you're not part of the body. Before we can ever be a functioning part of the body of Christ, we must turn away from our sins and turn to Jesus and trust in Him as our supreme Lord as our supreme Savior. To be part of the body of Jesus, we must trust Jesus alone. If you are not trusting Jesus, you are not a member of His body. You might even be a member on a roll of a church, but you're not part of the body of Christ. You haven't been connected to the body. And so I urge you right now, if you're not trusting in Jesus, put your faith in Him. Trust Him. And you can do that right where you're seating. Right where you're seated. You don't, you don't have to go to a priest and confess and get absolved of your guilt. You don't have to take a pilgrimage to some holy land. Right where you're sitting, you can turn from your sins and you can trust in Jesus. Say to Him, yes, Lord, I trust You. I need You. I need Your death on the cross for my sins. I need You to rescue me from Your righteous wrath and the punishment that I deserve. I want to be a part of Your body. I want to function in a way that will glorify You. 
And the good news is that Jesus will not cast away those who come to Him with humble faith. In fact, Jesus Himself invites you, come to Him. Come to Him. Come with all of your sins, all of your shame, all of your guilt. Come to Jesus. He will save you. and He will graft you into His body. and He will give you a purpose and a meaning for your life. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for my friends here today. I pray for those who are not trusting in Jesus. I pray You'd open their eyes and their heart and they would see Jesus as trustworthy and as beautiful and as valuable. And Lord, I pray for those who do trust You, but they've sort of lost their way and they're playing games with You. Lord, I pray that this message would be a wake-up call for them and they would see just how important it is to be a fully functioning member of Your body. Lord, I thank You for designing the body the way You have. You are so wise and You are so kind to give us each other, to give us these friends and this family to help walk with us through the darkest times of our life. Thank You for how You've designed Your body. May we be found faithful to honor and exalt You in how we serve each other and how we care for each other so that You would be exalted above all. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. Let us not be merely hearers today, but may we be doers of Your Word. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.